0: Um, Please join me on the back of your bulletins. I'm going to be reading from John chapter 13, John chapter 15, and Ephesians chapter 4. I'm just going to read straight through, so follow along on your bulletin or up on the screen. It'll be hard to keep track in your Bible. Uh, John 13, John 15, and Ephesians 4. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater, has, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice." Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God, as beloved children, and walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Please pray with me. Jesus, we love you this morning, and we come before you in gratitude for the love that you have for us and the words that you've given us. I pray this morning uh, for Bruce and Donna, their family, and John and the kids. And pray that, as Bruce said, that they would just feel uh, lifted up by you. That they would feel your grace and your comfort. Be with us this morning as we listen to your words, that our hearts would be soft to understand them and apply them to our lives. Uh, Jesus, we love you and pray all these things in your name. Amen.
1: Alright, good morning everyone. I invite you to keep your Bible in front of you or, or your bulletin. If you have that, you can uh, follow along with that as well. If you were able to follow along with the reading this morning, one of the themes that would um, catch your attention is the words that we are to love one another. That was read in John chapter 13. John chapter 15, Jesus gives us the command that we are to love one another. And then the Apostle Paul says in his writing that we are all to walk in love. Uh, This morning we are continuing uh, uh, our short series on the character of Christ and looking at the life of Jesus Christ and identifying attributes in his life that we are to emulate, that are to be uh, a model for us in how we live our lives. Last week we looked at humility and how that if we are going to grow in our lives that humility Um, is an absolute crucial part of our lives that we need to be people who grow. And and this morning, then, we're talking about love. And um, we'll be specific and and deepen our understanding of what that actually means. One of the things that happens in in church history or traditions is we kind of come up with some goofy things sometimes and one of the things that's a little bit on the goofy side is that John chapter 13, John chapter 15, that part of the Gospel of John, it's referred to as the upper room discourse. Now, I don't know about you, but if you were to invite a friend over to your home and, or family and you had to talk about something very important, just the most important thing in your life, we probably wouldn't call it like the, the upstairs talk. Like, there, there might be something more meaningful than saying, hey, let's call this the second story bedroom talk. But that's what it's called. It's called the upper room discourse. It's just called, it's where Jesus has his disciples. It's upstairs in a, in a house, not too special. But what he says there is absolutely special and absolutely worth giving our attention to for a few minutes. I know it's warm this morning, um, but I believe that it is worth our time and attention to focus on the words of Christ for a few moments this morning that can give shape and beauty to your life, that can fill your life, that can give something to your soul that it longs for. And that is deepening our understanding of what does it mean to love. So before we do that, though, we need to, to repeat a little bit from last week and talk about that thing that we don't always want to talk about and that is pride last week we talked about how pride prevents us from growing and this morning on your bulletin there's a little typo there I apologize but it says this that pride is a prison and we need to understand this to begin with that we all want love in our lives we want to be loving people we want to receive love but we must know this that pride in your life will put you in a prison and prevent you from receiving and giving love. Last week we said that pride is so dangerous because we can see it easily in other people's lives and we can't see it in our own lives. We have a quote from last week and I'll just touch on it briefly. We won't spend as much time, but this is from uh, an author we read last week. From this point on in the Bible, referring to Genesis chapter three, when sin enters the world, we see the outworking of pride and unbelief and the affairs of individuals, families, nations, and cultures. As people lose or suppress their knowledge of God, spiritual darkness grows, and a psychological inversion occurs. In their thinking, God becomes smaller, and they become larger. The center of gravity in their mental life shifts from God to themselves. They become the center of their world, and God is conveniently moved to the periphery, either through denial of his existence or distortion of his character. Self-importance and godless and godless self-confidence grow stronger. The cycle that follows is familiar. People exalt themselves against God and over others. Pride increases. Arrogant and or abusive behavior ensues, and people suffer. When pride happens in our life, We can't love. It it locks us away and prevents us from loving. We said last week that it creates things in our hearts. It creates entitlement. You owe this to me. It creates negative things in our lives that prevent us from experiencing love. We talked also to that it prevents us from apologizing. It prevents us from being honest with ourselves. It has all of these continual negative effects. We also said last week that Pride is the gateway sin that leads to all other sins. And that is why Jesus, in these final hours before his death, he sets his disciples down and they have this talk. And one of the things they talk about over and over again, it's repeated. Jesus says this, that by your love for one another, people will know that you are my disciples. That your love for each other verifies me that's what jesus is saying that verifies the truth of the gospel it verifies who i am and pride prevents love it just locks you up in your own little safe place and it prohibits you from growing so this morning john chapter 13 jesus says that what we need is a new heart we don't need minor adjustments we don't need a restrained heart where you say i'm just going to restrain my prideful desires The gospel says we are all in need of a new heart. That Jesus transforms us from the inside out. And that need is deep because of the impact of pride in our life. So let's ask this question then. If pride has this much damage or does this much damage to our lives, how do we love? What is the starting point for love in our lives? And that's what Jesus says then in John chapter 15. And he begins by using this example in chapter 15, verse 1. It's not in the bulletin, but if you have your Bible, it says, I am the true vine, and my my Father is the vine dresser. And so Jesus begins teaching his disciples that if you are going to live life well, if you're going to have a beautiful life, if you are going to be my missionaries, if you're going to be my ambassadors, that you must love one another. And that that only comes through abiding in Christ, chapter 15 verse 4 says this, abide in me and I in you. If there is a Bible verse that is worth your time to memorize where it just comes quickly and immediately to you, that is a verse that I encourage everyone to memorize. It is the essence of the Christian life. It's who we are. That is the the life and the, the, the breath of the Christian life. And so let's just take a few moments to think about this for a second. And we'll we'll look at this word from a few different angles. So number one, let's look at it. This is very exciting from a grammatical point of view. Let's look at the grammar of this word. And here's what's interesting. Jesus says this. Number one, it's a command, and it's a continual command. It's not just this one time in your Christian life are we called to abide in Christ. That that is to be the hallmark of our lives. The word has some range of meaning too, and here are some synonyms for this word. It means stay. It means remain there. It means to hold fast. It means to be in as close as possible in relationship. Abiding in Christ brings you under the ownership of Christ. So this word abide, it means remain. It means stay closely connected. It means that's your identity. That's who you are. But it also means more than that. Chapter um, 15, verse 7 says that abiding in Christ is more than just a grammatical understanding. It's also a verbal understanding. Chapter 15, verse 7 says this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. So abiding means that there's some connection with the word of God. There's some connecting point in your life with what God's word says to you so it's verbal chapter 5 or 15 verse 10 says that abiding in Christ is moral that there's an obedience aspect to it chapter 15 verse 10 says this if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love so it has something to do with this closeness to Christ it has something to do with this humility in your heart where you are willing to read and think and understand God's word It has something to do with your will, that you are willing to submit your will to following Christ. But is there more to that? And we think about this in the context of what Jesus is saying as far as the vine and the branch. And there are some meaningful things here for us to think about. Abide in me and I in you. What does that mean in an experiential level? There has to be some human way that we can experience this. And here's, let me give you some ways to think about this and even live this out in your life. It means you find your deepest trust in Christ. It means you find your rest in Christ. It means you you find your treasure in Christ. It means you find your hope and your peace in Christ. the deepest part of who you are your longings your desires they're centered on christ and it becomes a powerful meaningful way that we live our lives when christ is at the center of your lives day by day moment by moment that you are living your life abiding in christ and when you live your life that closely connected to Christ, then you begin to learn how to love people, that we begin how to learn how to love one another because your heart is full. Paul said this, and we looked at this last week in his writings where he said, talks about, he warns us about vain glory, about our hearts being empty. All of our hearts want to be full. And if we fill them with things besides Christ, anything other than Christ It will leave us starving for more. And that's how pride begins to work itself out in our lives, where you begin to use people, manipulate people, because you're looking for people or events or things to fill your heart. And Jesus says this, he even says this in in verse 1. He says, I am the true vine. There's only one thing in your life that will bring true happiness in your life. There are false vines. There are false things that appear to bring meaning to our lives. But Jesus says there's only one true vine, that we must remain close to Him. Jesus goes on then, verse 12, and says this This is my commandment then, that you love one another as I have loved you. So Jesus is teaching His disciples that your life is found in Me. He's leaving soon, He's, on his, he's hours away from the cross, and He wants the disciples to live life well. So let's think about this for a moment, and we'll spend the last part of our time thinking about this then. If our life and our hope and the deepest longings of our lives are found in Christ, then we are empowered to love well. And that means then, and this is the last point in the bulletin, that you are able to reassess in your life what makes life beautiful. Reassess, what does it mean to win in life what does it mean to have a beautiful life and jesus is saying this above all else he doesn't say just once chapter 13 chapter 15 he repeats this theme over and over again that we are to love one another well that that is evidence of a changed heart greater love has no one than this that you will sacrifice your own life your own desires for one another Are you willing to think through that? Are you willing to reassess your life? In light of the culture where we live, where we put things higher than that, Jesus is saying this, that this will create a counterculture, a new culture. If the highest priority of our church in our lives is that we love one another and the other things are less important, Jesus says that is the mark of a true disciple. So let me give you some things, just a few things for you to think about on how you can reassess your life and decide for yourself if your life is on a course of beauty where you are abiding in Christ and you are showing love or it's being filled with something else. All right. So reassess your life. Number one, order all of your life around abiding in Christ. Order all of your life around abiding in Christ. And here's what that means. It means you must take some part of your day. You must plan and think about this for um, some time. And, And you decide how much time you want to put to this. Maybe it means if you're married, you go out to dinner with your wife. If you're single, you do this by yourself or with some friends. What does it mean for us as a family, your own personal family, your own personal life, that you center everything. You order all of your life around abiding in Christ. And you think about that. Now what are you what are you ordering your life around now? What happens is now is most of the time we just order our lives around what we do next. We're just full speed ahead. What's next? What's after church? We're already thinking about what's after church. We're thinking about Monday and we don't think about what does it mean to abide in Christ. So have a plan. Think about what's really important for your life. Connect it with what's really important in your life. And it means this. Once a month, go out to dinner with your boyfriend or girlfriend or your husband or your wife, your family, your friends, and talk about it. What does it mean to order our life around abiding in Christ? Weekly, daily. Number two, trust Christ to meet all of your needs. Trust Christ to meet all of your needs. The vine is connected to the branch and produces fruit, not by big effort. Fruit trees don't produce fruit by saying, just try harder, try harder, try harder. Fruit is produced by believing, by trusting, by receiving, by resting in Christ. This is how John defines faith. Think about this for a moment. The Gospel of John in all of his writings, and he defines faith in Christ, the complete opposite of how we function today. Try harder, faster, more, new, better things. And Jesus says, rest, receive, stop, be near me, connect your life to me. Trust him to meet all of your needs. The word abide means this. Don't go anywhere, but stay right here next to Jesus. Stay right here. Abide in him. Rest in him. Receive him. Next, number three. See Jesus as your ultimate treasure. See Jesus as the ultimate thing you value in life. And you have to be honest with yourself because there is so much of life that we don't. We treasure. What do we treasure in life? The approval of others, the acceptance of others, financial security. There's so many things in life that we treasure besides Christ. If you want to reassess your life and have a beautiful life, order your life, all of your life around abiding in Christ. Trust in him. Treasure Christ. And number four, love one another the way Jesus loves you. This has nothing to do with finances, nothing to do with material things. This has to do with relationships. Your relationship with Christ first, and second, you love one another well. And we have a model to do that, and that is Christ, that is Jesus. There are specific ways we can even think more about doing this. How do we do as a church in welcoming visitors? How alert are we to welcoming new people? Are we too busy and preoccupied with just talking to people we always know? Let your love be genuine. Paul says this, and this is the last part from Ephesians. Loving one another well. So, Jesus in this upper room, he's talking to his his disciples. He's investing in them. One of the apostles that is not there is the Apostle Paul, who writes many books of the Bible. And the Apostle Paul, in writing his letter to this church in Ephesus, says this, Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths. You cannot abide in Christ and talk negatively and gossip about people if you are abiding in Christ. Why would the Apostle Paul say that? Why would he put this there? Because we're all tempted to do it. Every one of us here is tempted to be hurtful in our speech. And he says this, Let your words be used for building up, to affirm people. Abiding in Christ means that you will love one another as Christ has loved us, sacrificially using your words to build people up. That fits the occasion that will give grace to those who hear. Do your words give grace? Do they strengthen people? One of the things that we know about life there is enough negativity and hurtfulness and pride and selfishness. Like, we've, we've, there's enough. Abide in Christ, love one another well, let your words be filled with grace and kindness. Verse 31. It must be really, really hard because now he says this let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. It's like he repeats himself. We just don't get it. It's really hard. It's natural to be critical. He says then be kind to one another, tender hearted. You want to have a tender heart? Abide in Christ. Do you want to be a person of wrath and anger? fill your heart with pride and selfishness self exalt yourself be imitators of god as beloved children the person of jesus christ is that he is the perfect example of god he is god and then he says this so walk in love you do that by abiding in christ you don't just conjure up and work up really hard to say i'm going to be a loving person this today You say, you know what? I'm going to rest in Christ. I'm going to believe in Christ. I'm going to trust in Christ. I'm going to stay close to Christ. And when you do that, you will walk in love. And you will be willing to give your life as a sacrifice for others. The only way this happens in our church is if there are shared values. If we hold highly the word of God, if we hold highly the example of Jesus Christ, And his humility and his love for each other there has to be a conscious commitment a conscious decision as a church family that we will abide in Christ That that's where our hope our identity is found and only when that happens will we be loving and the alternative is criticism mean-spirited gossip favoritism all the things that can happen Pride happens slowly, little by little over time. Little compromises, little gossip here, little mean thing here, little hurtful thing here. And those little things just dig in and they hurt. And then before you know it, in your relationship with people, you're separated. We're finishing our summer series with looking at the life of Christ because I believe there's just nothing more important than looking at the words and life of Jesus Christ to help you, to help me, help us understand how do we live? How do we do this? When there's so much hurt, how do we do life? You abide in Christ. You love one another. Nothing else matters compared to that. Think about in your life the things we argue and fight about. And Jesus says, this is ultimate. Abide in me, love one another well. Reassess your life, measure your life on those things. The other things? They don't matter as much. They matter a little bit. They don't matter as much. Let's pray together. Father, I pray this morning that our hearts would be calm before you, that we would rest in you, that we would receive from you life and hope and peace and joy. Father, we know that we don't need another pep talk on love. We need new hearts. We need our hearts filled with with you. We need a renewing of your spirit in our lives. We need confession. We need honesty. Father, I pray that you would do a work in our lives that would deepen our love for one another, that our hearts would be filled with kindness and gentleness towards each other. Father, develop compassionate hearts, understanding hearts, take away prideful hearts, self-righteous hearts. We confess that we are in need of that this morning. We love you in the name of Jesus. Amen.